Open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. If you have one, if you have sermon notes, and if you're watching from home, just click on the minimize and get the sermon notes there. It's right there on the app or wherever you're watching on our website. We have uh, uploaded for you PDFs so you can watch and follow us along. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. We've been talking this month about habits. That's our main focus in answer to the question, how do you build a better you? In volume one of our series, uh, the first month of the year, we talked about the importance of not being faithless, not being fragile, not being fearful, not being fake. That those are things, if you really want to build a better you, you can't be a fake person. You can't be a fragile person. You can't be fearful. You can't be a faithless person. You have to have faith, confidence in what you believe. Volume two of the series, I took one word and I answered the question, how do you build a better you? You have to build better habits. And the way you build better habits is you face your habits. You face the habits in your life that are not good. And I ask you to develop a list, good habits and bad habits. If you didn't do it, you still have time. And you get honest with yourself. These are the things that I do that are bad. These are my habits. These are the things that I do that are great. Some of you have great habits, and some of you have some good and bad habits. But looking at them really helped me. I wrote down a list of seven, did a whole sermon on what I thought was some of my, my temptations, the thing, thing I'm tempted constantly to fear in my life. And they were profound. I thought it was a fun sermon. Then I talked about the, uh, the question of lying. Do you have a habit of lying, not telling the truth? Acts chapter 5, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira and how easy it was for them to lie. And we don't know why, whether they lied one time or two times. The consequence in this story in Acts chapter 5 was tragic. They both died. But the question is, was it one lie too many? Third time we talked about the importance of investing and the importance of how you need to decide that you're going to make an investment. And Zacchaeus was the guy we looked at who invested uh, his efforts and times, and the wind blew in his life. It's a great sermon. I loved it. The wind blew in his life and changed everything, his view of the world. He climbed that tree, and that was a symbol. I want to see this. I'm going to make an investment. I'm going to go, I'm going to go after seeing Jesus. And that, that blew something into his life that changed his life. Today we close talking about completion with one question. Repeat it with me, please. Are you, are you completing your life's assignment? Your life's assignment. If you're going to cut a new path in your life, if you're going to build a better you, you have to be really clear about what your life assignment is. If you don't have in your mind what you're supposed to be doing, then you'll just do all kinds of stuff. Now here's where it gets spiritual and spooky. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the prayer, generally, you hear. And it's as if God's going to come and say, you're supposed to go in the army. <laughs> or you're supposed to be, I don't know, a basketball player. I mean, I don't think that's how it works. How did I get to be here? Here's a good question. How did Ricky Temple get up on this stage? I stumbled up here. Honest to God, I've told it many times before, I was drafted, sort of, kind of. They found out that I can kind of speak. So before you know it, I was being asked to speak. And before you know it, people started liking to hear me speak. And before you know it, I, get, I was getting asked to speak all the time. And then I found out that I love the Bible. I found that I love learning. I didn't know that I was a student kind of person. I never grew up reading a lot. I grew up watching movies and stuff like that and playing basketball all day. I, didn't, I never would have seen myself, as, and this is important, as a leader. I never, I never thought I'll be a leader guy over thousands of people. I never dreamed that either. I never thought I'd be on television. I didn't know I could do TV. 
I, did, I just tried it one day. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today. Today we're going to talk about Romans chapter 5 and how your life can be changed. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could do it off the cuff. I didn't know that I could. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know. I don't think Michael Jordan knew until he got on the court and played for a while. And he compared his skill, and he was above everybody else. So, oh, I can fly. <laughs> you start noticing your skill. Your skill is a map to your destiny. Can you say it with me? Come on. Your skill is a map to your destiny. It shows you. Sometimes you don't know you can sing until you sing. When you get out there and you start singing, I will give me a home where the buffalo roam. Don't sing that again, right? <laughs> I love that song. Where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. I love this part. Watch this part. Ready? Home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope play. Some of you are about to leave, right? <laughs> Is her okay? I'm sorry. A discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. That's my best. No record for that one, right? No record contract. That's not my skill. <laughs> I can sing that little song. I can, you know, I got a few more I can do for you. But that's from back in the day when I was in choir. But I'm not a songster. I'm not a song guy. I'm not. I'm not a musician. That's not my skill. You learn your skill, you learn your life assignment about what you can do. That's where you start the search. What you can do, not what you love to do, because you may love to do something you can't do that well. <laughs> Are you with me? I, I, don't think, I don't think that any of the guys who created some of the technologies, if you study their lives, um, what, uh, uh, Bill Gates, uh, Jobs, when you look at their habits in life before they became famous, they were geeky people. They loved gadgets. They loved fooling with stuff. Um, I think that their, their parents were around it. Uh, and so they grew up with this, and they found out they had a skill for it. And so they began to do what they were good at, and then eventually started to like it even more, and amazing things happened in their life. What is your life assignment? Start with what you do. Start with what you do well. And then build that skill. Now, I, I am, I'm amazed that when I step back in my life and I get really, really honest and I really tell the truth and I don't lie to myself, it's easier for me. Paul was a guy whose assignment was clear to him. But what's interesting is, I want you to see something, 2 Timothy 4, 7. Here's what's interesting. He's at the end of his assignment. This is the end of his life. This is the last book, last, last comment, almost the last chapter of what he's going to ever write. And listen to what he says. And I want to know if you can say this at the end of your life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. Can you read this one, please? Come on, say I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Stop right there. Isn't it wonderful to be able to say, I'm done? I, I, am, I have done what I was put here to do. And here's what's really, I think, tragic. Some people can never get there because they spend all their life with this fantasy idea that somehow your greatest purpose in life is fame or some kind of, I don't know, glowing experience. Uh, I believe that a person sometimes loses the joy of their life purpose looking for it to glow too much. 
you know, you could, you, my job, let me, let me give you what I, before I go much further. My job, in my opinion, my top job is to be a good person. My top job, my, my top purpose in life is to be a good person. My second top job, you ready, is to make sure that my life, the life I live, that I do the best that I can to make me look in the mirror and feel good about me. That's what I believe. I don't think preaching is my top job. You may think so, but it's not my mind. My second top job is to be a great husband. It's to be the kind of guy that my wife can look at and say, that's great. Because that's my, that's my life partner. I made a covenant. When, then my third job is my children. And by, by now, by, I, I kind of lump them together because, you know, you can't say Ricky and Christina because Christina ain't going for that. It's going to be children. <laughs> okay? Being a father. Then, here you go, you folks show up after that. You somewhere, what is that, four, five, you're down on the list. Because I can't make you the top because here's the deal. If I put you in front of me, the Bible says, get this, I've been saying it forever. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Say it with me, please, come on. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Two great commandments, love, love God, love your neighbor, right? So I love God, right? God's above all of that. He's the top of my list. I love him more than me, more than everything. He's at the top of my list, okay? After that, though, it's got to be me, my wife, children, them to work, what I do. For some of you, once you get past your children, it's got to be your job. It's where you work. Man, it be the perfect job, but it's paying you, and you're there for a reason. You, that, that's what you've sown right now. At, at, I'm at this level. I can sow and get more, but whatever that is, maintenance, whatever it is, no matter what it is, that job, waitress, that job is my present assignment. That's my life assignment for now. You said, no, my life assignment is not this job. You need the money. <laughs> you need to get paid. You, wanna, you want God to advance your life. It starts with an assignment. Think about this. Adam and Eve, what was their life assignment? Think about it. Tend the garden. And do what else? Name the animals. That was their job. They loved each other. And all right, baby, let's go get on the weeds. No weeds, I guess. But let's go get on, get on whatever they had to do in the garden to tend it. I don't know what that was. And then name that. Okay, that's a monkey. Okay, that's a chicken. You know, whatever it is. I don't know. That was their job. He had, they had to use their body and they had to use their mind. That was their life assignment. And I, and, and I think that's basically how I would summarize it. There's something about using my mind. Come on, say, using my mind and using my body. That was their life assignment. Now, that's changed. You may change jobs. You may change careers. But the point is I'm active mentally and physically in my life. That's my life assignment. And as I go, this is important, as I go, he guides me. I'm pastoring. I've been pastoring for 37 years. That may change. I may wake up and, and this won't be my job anymore. Am I okay with that? Yeah, I am. I don't think I should live to do this. I should live to live. How about an amen? You with me? Because there's something about getting caught up in all this and needing to speak in front of people, needing to be important, and needing to be called Pastor Rick. My name is Ricky Ricardo Temple. I'll never need to lose sight of that. And if, I, if, I'm, if I'm healthy in that in my head, I won't act weird around you. How about an amen? You with me? You ever seen preachers act weird? You go, oh, boy, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but a little, a little off, a little off. And that's because sometimes you, you become the bishop. You become the, you become the apostle. You become this kind of character like a Superman person. And you, you, you lose sight. You lose sight of the, of the fundamentals. And so notice with me, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And finally, there's later for me 
a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also of all who have loved his appearing. Now, there are, there are, there are four things that I want to describe uh, that help us understand what Paul saw his life assignment to be. Repeat that with me, please. Say preaching, preaching. convincing, convincing. Completing, completing, forgiving. The main focus I want you to see today is this was a completer guy. This was a guy who was big on finishing. He wanted to, he had, he had the determination to make sure that whatever his life assignment was, that he finished it. So I want you to think about it. In my life, that would mean I have to take care of Ricky, make sure Ricky's okay. Then I have to take care of Diane. So there's a strategy and a plan for that. Then there's a strategy and a plan for my children, a strategy and a plan for my job. So when it comes to my strategy and plan, if you listen to how I pastor you, I have a plan. It's not thrown together. I thought about it because there's a place I'm trying to get you in your thought life, in your life. I'm trying to help you grow. If I come up here every week and I just start throwing things out and there's no lesson plan, if I can call it that, no prayer plan, then I'm going to be frustrated. The same thing with Ricky. If there is no lesson plan for Ricky's life, for my wife's life, for my children, are you with me? Even though they're grown, there's got to be a sort of a strategy and a plan. That's, if, I, if I don't know the plan, I don't know when I'm finished. Paul made a great statement. I'm finished. He was clear in his mind. As far as my job goes, I'm a preacher. Look at me at verse, verse, um, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and, at, at, and his kingdom, preach the what? Word. Word. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy, your main job, sir, is preaching in season and out. He understood his job. He understood Timothy's job, this young, young guy he's mentoring. Preaching was a priority. And if it's, if it's your main job, do it well. Do it well. Make sure you give it your utmost best. When I come in here, I try to do my best. If you don't like it, you know, I got a whole bunch of sermons you can go listen to from last week or weeks ago. I got thousands of sermons. I think it's about 4,000. It's a bunch of them, or 5,000. I mean, you, they, they're all, it's amazing. You can listen to them. I, I, I get it. But I, I get that that's my main job. So I need to work at being good at that. Secondly, convincing was Paul's job. Here's what he was trying to convince people. Verse 2. Convince, rebuke, exhort, all up with all long suffering. For the time will come, here's what you, why you need to convince them. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Here's why he was trying to convince them, because he knew they'd be carried away by their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers. They'll heap up for themselves teachers. They'll go find people who say what they want them to say. Verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be what? Turned aside to fables. That's what's going to happen to them. But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Your job is to convince people. That's my job. Paul understood it. I'm a convincer. I'm trying to get people to go in the right direction. That's what our job is. I believe that's the job and assignment of, of our church. I must convince you to go in the right direction. I must convince you that we need to go out these walls and touch people. Our goal, our, our job, my, my job is not to convince people to join this church, even though this is Membership Sunday. And I want you to join. But that, that's not my top priority. And I think there's, there's some, sometimes you get lost 
when you forget that's your job. My job with my children was not to beat them. It was to convince them. Some of you say, no, you convince through beating. No. <laughs> you convince by engaging. That's the hard part. Easy parts to swing. Tough parts to talk about it. So tell me why you didn't do your homework. Tell me what the deal is. Tell me what you probably I feel like I don't have the life. I feel like you always, every time I come home, you know, it's clean up. Do this, do this. You never talk to me. I never have a break. I say, well, I'll tell you what. If I give you a break, will you do your homework? So you don't believe in that. I'm your mama. And I said, do your work, I'll beat you. You want to be beat up? You know, that's how, now, now what if God dealt with you like that? Convince, you got to engage, you got to talk, you got to work it through. It, it's really amazing. I've discovered that most people that are really angry need to be heard. They, they, they were never heard. They were always manhandled. And Christians are just amazingly consistent with that attitude sometimes. And then he said, my main job was to complete the work. I said that, and if, if I can come back to that for a minute, go to the fourth one, my job is to forgive. I love the fact that he said, well, let me do it in the way he did it. He didn't order it. Look at this. He says, I'm not ashamed. Go ahead and complete it. I'm not, I, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Parents, you can relate to that, right? You feel like a drink offering, right? And, and at the time of my departure at hand, this is a guy who says, I'm about to die. Now, he knew Nero was going to kill him. He knew this. He was kind of like waiting to die. This is for real. Notice his attitude towards death. Notice his response. I love the fact that he could say, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. But then, watch this now. He says in, in, in verse 9, but on the way out, let me mention a couple of things. I need, to, I need to make sure a couple people are forgiven. It's my assignment as I end my life to forgive. Uh, he named, I love this, he names the guy, Demas. He, Demas, boy, I can't stand that man. Verse 9, be diligent to come to me quickly, Paul said, for Demas has what? Forsaken me. Having loved this present world and has departed. You know what I love about the Bible? He names people. The Bible names people. If you lived in the Bible days and they write in the Bible, I don't know what your name be in here. And what page would it be on? This guy forsook Paul. I love the fact that he just says it. He's honest. That's what makes him different. Then he says, he's not the only one. <laughs> he said, look at this. Only Luke, verse 11, is with me. Then he says, guys, oh, there's another guy. His name is Mark. You know, John Mark. And this is the guy where Paul and Barnabas had this big blowout in the book of Acts. Big fight. As a matter of fact, Paul and Barnabas were hanging, preaching buddies until Mark came in. So John Mark comes in, right? And this guy abandons them, and Paul is through with it. Paul says, you know what, man? You a wimp. You left. You know what I'm saying? When it was tough, you left. I guess John Mark said, yeah, you're getting beat up in every city, man. I'm tired of this. And so he left. <laughs> he left. And so Paul was through with him. And basically, I mean, he and Barnabas split over this. But Barnabas thought, no, this guy has the potential. You know, you're just getting beat up every city. You, you know, you're almost crazy. So, yet the, you know, so anyway, Barnabas got it. Paul didn't get it. They split. So now watch what happens. He's, he's saying, oh, bring him back again. Bring him back again. Everybody say second chance. Second chance. Now, he's, but he's matured. I wonder if there are people in your life you need to bring back. You're mad because they fill in the blank. And so you, you're holding this thing. I love the fact that at the end of his life, he has decided to let stuff go. What do you need to let go? 
Your sister took your grandmama's couch. You don't even sit on it. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. What, 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 what is this in your family system and your world that's making you hold a grudge? I love the fact that Paul, at the end of his life, says, I'm going to let that go. Then, but he mentioned somebody else, Alexander. He said, there's another guy while I'm getting it off my chest. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm. And then, now listen to how he says this. This is amazing. This is his last letter. May the Lord get him. Repay him <laughs> according to his works. You know, there are some people that just don't stop doing wrong. I mean, I mean, there are people like that. Don't, don't raise your hand if you got family members like that. You got people, they, look, they're going to borrow your money forever, or they're going to do something or accuse you forever. They, you know, they're, they're going to always try to hurt you. That's just who they are. I love the fact that it, in the end of Paul's life, he said, I got to put this in perspective. I can't, I, I've got to warn you about this guy, Alexander. If you read on, he says, be careful about him now. But notice that there's this purging of his heart, purging of his mind. But I close with this final thought, which I think is amazing. I love the fact that three things were true about Paul, though. He was clear about where the finish line was. Are you? Clear in his mind. Even though it was being imposed on him, he was being killed. He was going to be martyred unfairly. But he understood the finish line. Here's what I think is so tragic for some of us. We don't know where the finish line is. We don't, we don't know when... We need to embrace the end, especially when people die in our lives. I love, what, I love being here. I love being the pastor. And I'm not saying I'm leaving anytime soon. I'm just making a point. I'm, don't read in anything. But, but if, I, if I'm honest, we all come to this day. When your mother's life ends, your career ends, your, your season and certain friendships end because of distance, everything changes. Can you embrace change or do you fight it? I love the fact he's not fighting it. I'm at the finish line. I have, I've done what I'm supposed to do. You raised this child. You gave them all you could. You taught them all you can. They moved away. You have to embrace that. My mother, of course, when I moved away, she told me, well, I'm, you know, I embrace it. But here's what I hope. I hope your children move to, to-, to- uh, Tokyo. <laughs> that, wasn't that mean? Wasn't that just grumpy? I'm sure when she got to heaven, God talked to her about that. You shouldn't have said that to him. You might have wounded him. But, you know, she was saying how she felt. But you have to embrace, I'm no longer the parent that should be speaking to this kid this way. That season, they're not two. I shouldn't be threatening a 20-year-old, I'm going to beat you, or hit you upside your head, or shoot you. What in the world are you doing? That the season where you have that kind of influence has changed. And I'm not saying you shouldn't engage. I think that's wrong. I don't think parental influence ends at 18. I think that's wrong. That's not biblical. I think all of your life you should take advantage of wisdom. Come on, give me an amen. amen. But there's, a, there's, there's something about exp- accepting the seasonal changes in your life. I've finished that part of my life. And, and, and let me just add this on. As a person who's now 60 years old, I've learned that I can't spend my life talking about what I used to be. I I just can't. My wife made an interesting observation. I know a lot of celebrities, quite a few. I've been fortunate to meet quite a few. And what's interesting is they're introduced by what they used to do. Hi, this is so-and-so. He used to play on on Peyton Place. Or this is so-and-so. He used to be in the movie Batman. Or this is so-and-so. He produced or he did. Everything is about, especially when you live on the West Coast, you're introduced not by who you presently are in life, 
but who you used to be. I don't want to live that way. I want to be able to say, that's finished, and I've moved on. You don't have to, you can, you don't have to introduce me just as the guy who used to pastor overcome by faith or the guy who was, this Ricky Temple, the guy who's doing some amazing things right now with fill in the blank. I want to fill in the blank for the future, not just to fill in the blank for the past. I don't want to just tell stories about how excited I was years ago. I have a rule. I don't talk much about what I used to do. I talk about two things, what I am doing or what I plan to do. I've got to keep my eyes that way. How good our marriage used to be? No, how good is it now? How good am I now? How healthy am I now? I used to be a real athlete. Really? Well, you can't even walk. Give me a break. Come on. Scoot in your chair. Do something. Make, make, make some effort. At this point, it doesn't matter that you were not. You know what I'm saying? What matters is now. Can you, hear, can you say now? now? It's now. It's right now. Come on. Come on. Now. It's right now. Secondly, I'm impressed that Paul was honest about his feelings. You know, he felt offended. He said it. He just put it out in the open. Hey, here's how I feel. So many times I counsel people, and you know what I think jacks up the relationship? Dishonesty. You lie to yourself. You know, I'm not saying you need to be, you know, touchy and edgy. But I love the fact he's Alexander, that dude, man, he's not, he's the crook. Demons, man, he runs out. I love the fact he just put it out there. Right, wrong. Honesty. Honesty has helped me survive. I'm, I am brutally honest with myself. I'm honest, I'm honest with me. I don't play with myself because I understand. What do you mean you're honest with yourself? Well, I tell the truth. What about? You nosy, aren't you? You want to know. Let me help you with something. I'm, I'm, I'm about to do a series. I got a series coming. I think I'm going to do it in a couple months. It's called, that, uh, well, after I get the title, it's going to make you nervous. Um, uh, say it. Don't be telling me to say stuff. I can't just say it. It's, I got to fix it. It's a little bit. I got to fix this. It, it's, it's, it's about, it's about uh, sex. Hold on. Buckle up. It's going to be okay. Because I know y'all know a lot about that. And I'm going to talk about it. I promise. That's right. Be quiet. That's a good thing. Shh. But I'm going to talk about how, how people sometimes, they, they develop the habit of being sexually engaged, but they don't fully understand all the dynamics. And how you get in trouble in that part of your life is you're not honest about your feelings. You're not honest about, you know, you're curious right now. You got, you know, I wonder. Some young people, you wonder. And so it's on your mind. And it's all on everything you watch. I was trying to watch the Marvel heroes the other day. I was just trying to watch the Marvels, you know. I like Superman, all them people. Man, they was jumping all over each other. They wasn't saving nobody. I had to turn that thing off. I said, oh, Jesus. They ain't saving nobody. One minute they were bashing the bad guys. Next minute they're all naked. I said, oh, what happened? We, we, just, we, we had the bank robber two seconds ago. And what happened? I mean, just in a flash. Woo. I, I like movies. I do. I like movies. You know, so I got Netflix. I got all that stuff. But I, I, have to, I can't watch all that because I be, I be thinking about that stuff. Yeah, you got to be honest. See, you know, you know, Christians, you know how you get in trouble? You lie to yourself. That don't matter to me. I'm iron woman. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're lying to yourself. That's how you get trapped up going over there talking about you going to pray. That is not a prayer meeting. It wasn't a prayer meeting last time you was over there, and it ain't going to be a prayer meeting today. You're going after church. You don't lie to me. You don't lie to yourself. I like the fact Paul put, I hell, he gets on my nerve. He put it out there. You gotta, sometimes you got to tell the truth. You got to tell the truth. I was in class. I was in high school. I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Don't tell nobody. I tell you. I was in high school. I never forget this girl. She was in class, and she was, they was talking about, they was talking about you know, sexual intimacy. And, so, and, 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 and she just said, well, I like it. I just like it. Now deal with that, all y'all, now. She, 
Everybody got quiet. I said, okay, we know where you stand. Praise God. I, was, I just gotten saved. She was honest. You know, some of you look so together, but you're just out of control. Behind the scene, you're a wild person. In church, you just is holy. <laughs> but you are not. You are out of control. You out of, your mind's out of control. You're on the internet all night for church. <laughs> and you come in here like you don't know nothing. I'm talking in tongues. That's not this month. That's coming. It's coming. I'm preaching on that. A whole month. I'm going to do a whole month on it. I'll tell you, I think it's April. But don't come that month. You might need to stay home the whole month. <laughs> don't, I'm sorry. It's called building a better foundation. Because some of your foundation is all based on that. That's why your relationship's all jacked up. Because that's all you got. All you know how to do is go to the gym. You don't know nothing else. I, I coded that. You heard me say that, right? You know how to go to the gym. You like all, all the things in the gym. That's all you know. But you don't know how to talk to anybody, can't get along with anybody. Anytime you get outside the gym, you can't stay together five minutes. Wow. Everybody you meet, let's go to the gym. You go to the gym. Time you meet them, take them to the gym. You meet them five minutes ago, you're in the gym six minutes, and then after that, you can't talk. Everybody with me? Yes. Come on, talk to me. Are you there with me? But that's not this series. That's coming. I got to get back on track. Y'all get me off. He knew it. Come on, come back, come back. Paul was clear about the finish line. Paul was clear about his feelings. He was honest, and that's what kept him safe. That's why he finished, because he was honest. And then lastly, Paul was clear about his his rewards. I'm going to be rewarded. There's a reward later for me. Let me tell you something. You need to play some music. Come on, somebody play some music. I'm, I'm, I got to get out of here. You know, there's, you know, there's, you know that means I got I to quit. You know, I, I believe that God, God is going to reward me. There's something about doing what he says and how God looks at that and says, you finished, didn't you, Paul? In my case, you took care of yourself, Ricky, right? You love me. You want a hypocrite, you want phony, you want fake. You look good, took care of yourself. You make sure you're okay. You took care of your, fa- your wife when you made that covenant with. She ain't got to wonder where you're at and what you're doing. My wife told me something that was profound. She said, Temple, you know, she you know, Sometimes women come out of the box. You don't, you don't, you know, you got to get ready because you don't know when they're going to come at you. You know what I'm saying? You got to be ready. <laughs> just out of nowhere. I'm just, well, I don't know where I was. But she said, you know, Temple, just out of nowhere. You could be an international, adul- international adulterer. <laughs> Good morning. How are you today? Where did you come up with that? Temple, you travel all over the world. People like you everywhere you go. You know what I'm saying? They like you. And, 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 and I would, you know, and you can afford it. You don't have to say she's right. I know it, but you, know, you ain't got to say that. Uh, you ain't got to say no amens right now. Yeah, she's right. You could be. What is that? How does that help me? You know what I'm saying? That ain't, I'm trying to work this out. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Okay. That was good. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was so, it was so, and she said, I'm, I'm, I thank you for not being that way. There, there's something about her point was, took care of your wife, your children. Some of you just, you're not finished with your children yet. 
You don't have time for them. Why? You're always busy. It's simple things. Ricky and I have always gone to basketball games with the family. A few years ago, we were in, I think, Orlando, I think. And he said, you know, we never did this by ourselves. I said, really? He said, no, man, it's our first basketball game alone. That's <laughs> okay. He doesn't feel robbed. He just, he just made an observation. Why don't you go see your children? Why must you allow the fact that they're no longer, you know, you got to, you remarried or whatever, that they have to be abandoned? That's a hard word, isn't it? As a pastor whom I love, he said to me, he said, um, he's having trouble with his kids, and he had two sets of kids. And he said, um, and some kind of way I ended up talking to the old set of kids. And, and, the new, and he said, my kids said to me, I abandoned them. He said, I can't believe they said that. He was really offended. I said, well, that's their story. From where they sit, that's how they feel. Do you care about that? Or do you want to defend your position? He said, Temple, you changed my life. He said, if that's what I made you feel like, I am sorry. That's all the kids wanted. A relationship. You sit there arguing your position. Finish with your children. Settle it. Apologize if you need to and move on. Give me an amen if you then finish with your job. Some of you are saved, you're sanctified, you feel the Holy Ghost, but you're a horrible employee. I would fire you. Hallelujah. Some of you say, oh, I don't like that part of the sermon. Ask people to work for me. I love everybody. But when I hire you to work, I expect you to come. I expect you to have a really good attitude because I'm going to treat you right. I am going to do all I can. If I'm wrong, I'll apologize. True? If I'm wrong, if, I, if I'm not, people work for me, am I right about that? I'm a team player. Before I come in here, I go back to a bunch of people in the media suite. I go back there first before I come in here every, every week because I know there's, there's thousands of people going to be watching. And I say, hey, team, I want you to know I pray for, I pray for them. I lay my hands on them. I, all the people praying with people online, I pray for them. It's a team effort. Guys in the parking lot, God bless them out there working everywhere in the rain, snow. You know, children's church work. A lot of people working hard, making it happen. Security, thank God for them. Can we say amen for security? Come on, can we say amen for them? Praise God. Amen. That's a symbol to all the bad people. We do fight, praise God. We ain't, we ain't going down like that, no. You know. Say, so what are you talking about, Pastor Rick? If you're home, don't worry about it. Praise God, you're okay. But no, I believe in that. I believe in that. My point, though, is I have to care about my church. I have to care about the team. I think it's time for you to make sure you're doing what your assignment is. Stop thinking about some great thing outside of what you do now. What you have in your hand, that's your assignment. Teach in school, teach well. Get your lesson plans done on time. Have a good attitude. It's got a lot of paperwork. Quit or do the paperwork. Two choices. Don't complain. You don't like it, go do something else. But you can't complain if you stay and get the paycheck. 
Come on, amen, right? I come here through. I got to preach like I got to preach. I have stuff to do. Hey, I can't complain. It's my job. So I want you to think about this. Are you doing your life assignment? Stop thinking about something supernatural out there in the land. What's in front of you? That's your job. So here's my life assignment. You ready? When I leave here, we'll go home, put on some casual clothes, and I got some stuff I already put in the laundry room. I'm going to drop them in the, in, the, in the laundry. Towels, dark clothes, and I got some already I'm going to fold up, and they'll be, that's my assignment. Oh, yeah. Doesn't sound fancy, does it? But that's my job. When Diane comes home, she's in Tulsa right now. She'll be home this afternoon. When she comes home, everything will be cool. You understand? Come on, amen. See, that's my sign. That may not impress you, but when you get ready for a washcloth, there'll be one there. That's my sign. I got a few other things on my list. People I got to talk to. But I, see, I, I, I'm just trying to keep that in my mind. Now, I pray for you today. Can I do that? Can I pray for you? Father, I pray that what we've talked about today has helped people. I pray that it has inspired them to understand the power of a basic life assignment. Some things are grand and some things are basic. Sometimes what I need to do is just forgive people. Some things I need to complete, some things I need to go back and tighten up a little bit. But I pray, God, that in Jesus' name, at the end of the day, we, make a, we work on building a better us. This whole series has been about that. Building a better you. It, that's how you cut a new path. And I pray, God, that at the end of the day, we'll have better vision as we take on this next theme next, next week. And I give you all the praise. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, after hearing the sermon today, you, you, you say, you know, Pastor Rick, I do need to work on building a better me. And I do need to consider my habit of not completing things. I, I talked about starting with God, and then I stopped, start and stop. So, Pastor, could you pray for me? Because I want to I leave here today completed. I want to say, like Paul, I finished my course. I've kept, big statement, the faith. I kept the faith. I trusted you. I obeyed you. I served you. If you want to start a walk with Jesus today with every head bowed, every eye closed, you want me to pray for you. Whether you're here or at home, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Who's saying pray for me, Pastor? I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me, Pastor? I see. Raise your hand. Put it down. Anybody else pray for me? Raise your hand. I see some more people. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see more. I see four. Anybody else? Anybody else? Five. Anybody else saying pray for six? Pray for me. Are there others raising? I see your hand as well. God bless you. Anybody else saying pray for me? All right. Let's all lift our hands together, shall we? All hands lifted. We come, Lord God, thanking you for your forgiveness, thanking you that you have called us to obey your word, love you first, love ourselves, love our neighbors as ourselves. Today we come saying we want to love you. We ask you to forgive us for not loving you, for not trusting you. Let this be the day that our lives change. May we leave here transformed by the power of your word, and we give you all the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus died so you can be free. I want to encourage you if you raise your hand, there's something I want